Good morning, Discovery. How you doing? You're good? Ah, what a day. Uh, so good to have you with us this morning. Uh, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I get to be part of the pastoral team in this community. And today I'm going to be attending something that you should know is not easy for me. And what is that? Standing in one place as I'm preaching. So you're going to keep me accountable for this, you know? Part, part of, of the reason is that sometimes I really do like to challenge myself in moments like this. So if this doesn't end well, too bad for you, you know, and for me too. Anyways, today I get to, uh, we're almost closing this conversation on the gospel of Mark, the life of Jesus through the life, to, to, through the eyes of Mark and Peter. And um, part of this conversation today that we're having I would like to say that it's a mystical conversation. And why is that? Because I don't think we can talk about someone raising from the dead and just be normal, a normal conversation. I don't think we can talk about someone resurrecting from dead and just be an okay conversation. I think there's something about mystery that we don't know what to do in our current culture. And we dismiss it right away instead of probably embracing it to see what is mystery had to say about my experience as a human being? So today I want to challenge the way we think, the way we process things, and the way we perceive this moment. And I want to take you to Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to verse 8. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me and now we're going to have it right here on the screen. And, and I want to start this way. Verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after the sunrise, they were able to go, were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, with white robes sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified? He has risen. He's not here. See the place where he was lay, they lay him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you in Gal into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling bewilderingly, the woman went out and flew from the tomb. They say nothing to anyone because they were afraid. If you feel comfortable, will you mind closing your eyes for a second? And let's pray. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for the people that are in this room for making the time to be in this space and have this conversation. Ignite our hearts, our faith, span our perception of our reality and what we're going through, God. Speak life into us and invite us into a deeper conversation, into what you're doing and orchestrating around us. We ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus. And everybody says, amen and amen. Hey, one of my favorite movies, and hopefully you uh, can be with me in this. One of my favorite movies of all times is Avengers Infinity War. I don't know. I'm, I'm just a fan of it. I, I, I'm not a nerd, but I'm, I'm like a very, I'm super into these movies. But my, one of my favorite movies is this movie, Infinity War. Actually, better to me than the last movie, which was uh, Endgame. 
And I remember watching this movie. And this movie was capturing me from Men in Number One. I was so into it from the Men in Number One because it was a roller coaster of emotions. It was a roller coaster of emotions because I remember seeing the collaboration amount, our characters, the reconciliation among some of the characters because of a bigger plan that they have to do, uh, the added of new talent into the team. To me, it was so much tension through the whole movie. It was so good. And one of the things that throw me off completely is the way the movie ends. That specific movie. Because, you know, the, the villain, Thanos, um, decided to gather all these infinity stones. And I, I, I'm just really oversimplifying the movie. But got the infinity stones, snap, and half of the universe was gone, including half, the, half of the Avengers. And I remember watching the movie, and I was like, what is going on? I'm trying to make sense of the movie. I don't know where to look. I'm like, Gavin's on my side. She doesn't know nothing about the movie either. I'm confused. I'm like, what is going on? I'm texting my friends that know about all about this. And I'm like, tell me, but don't tell me. Like, just bring peace into my soul right now. What is going on? I'm just invested emotionally into this thing because the end is unsettling. Like, this just disappeared. And that's how the movie ends. It was unclear. But Taino's plan was in motion. We just didn't know how this thing was going to end. You know, it's so interesting about the gospel of Mark. It's, a, it's in the same place as this. See, you might have extra or some more, not extra, but some more verses after the ones that we read. But actually, scholars said that those verses were added later on. And I'm not going to get into that conversation. But what I want to point out is very interesting. That if the way Mark ends the story of Jesus and the good news of Jesus is by telling us that this woman run out of the tomb alarmed and they didn't even end up doing what they were supposed to do, that is off. Thank you, Mark, for the good news of Jesus. You just need some classes on storytelling. This is not a good way to end this thing. But this is... It re- that's, this is how we relate with our faith. This is a relationship with what I believe sometimes with Christianity. That we, we need conclusions in life. That we need to bring resolution in life. That we need to relieve the tension. And I believe that Mark is more in, interested in provoking the readers and the ones that are listening to the story to reflect on the narrative of the gospel over and over and over and over. This is not a one thing that you do and you read it and you're good. But this is an ongoing thing that he wants us to do. The mark is more interesting for us to pay attention to the character of Jesus and the nature of the kingdom that he inaugurated. See, there's probably more important things in our lives to pay attention than actually find resolution in life sometimes. Erwin McManus says that truth is not static, but it's dynamic. Because truth is a person. That sometimes we feel that we need to find conclusion and we need to find, to re- we need to relieve the tension in our lives. That we need to find the end of this whole thing. And could be, perhaps, that we have a window of opportunity to experience the character traits of the divine in our lives. And the kingdom of right relationships in our lives if we pay attention to it. See, sometimes all we need to know in our lives is that there's a plan 
in motion. But we need to know something about this plan in motion to find peace. And is that this plan usually doesn't unfold the way we want it to or the way we expect it. Can I just say that? See, we go to the first two verses says that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go in and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after the sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. You know, Mark lets us know that this event happens right after the Sabbath. Right after the day of rest. Right after the day that they will have to slow down in their lives. Right after the day that they have to travel short distances and travel light. Right after the day they have to carry light burdens and life. Right after the day that they have to posture their heart in gratitude and release the desire to control their lives to the creator. This is where the story begins. It was not just any type of Sabbath, friends. I would dare to say it was a very dark and painful Sabbath for a lot of people. Because this woman were grieving the loss of the men that brought hope to their lives. The men that acknowledged their dignity for the first time probably. The men who fought for those who were in the margins. The men who brought promises, aspiration, confidence, they ignite hearts, they ignite faith. The men who, who were after the ones that were dislocated in religion and in the culture and reveal the heart of the creator to them. This man was gone. And it was probably very special to Mary Magdalene because this woman, for the first time, there were some men who knew her name and knew her darkness and didn't care about that. And for the first time, Mary Magdalene had hope in their life probably and find a future, an intentionality to her future given by Jesus. And this man is gone. So it's not just any type of Sabbath, friends. It's not just another day of rest. See, to me it's very interesting that between day one and day three, this happens. There's a Sabbath in the middle of the whole thing. Why do you put a moment of pausing and, 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 and releasing and, and, and having a moment of just take it slow when all of this pain is happening? I just wonder why. You know, one of the things that, that uh, Gabby and I experienced in the past six years has been a roller coaster of emotions. One of the things that I, I found very common in, in a lot of friends um, there's a lot of conversation happening on, on the pain that the church has caused on people's lives. And I think there's a needed conversation, and I think we need to listen and, and have those type of conversations. But can I add another layer to it? That also, we need, to more, we need more conversations on the side of the pain that a lot of ministers and pastors go through, too. You know, after my wife and I church planting when she was 26 and I was 27... A wild ride, I have shared this with you. I remember after three years of doing this, driving from L.A. to Northern California, I remember having this conversation with Gabby and her crying to me and saying, I do not want to do, do this anymore. I'm done. 
I don't want to do church. I'm done with church. I don't want to serve. This is just not for me. I'm done. And I'm over here trying to convince, you know, trying to say something about it. But she's done. After three years of a process in her life, after three years of slowing down, after three years of having conversations with mentors and, and all kinds of people, after three years, I remember being in the back of this auditorium and her telling me, I think I'm ready to go back. See, friends, I believe that we need to learn how to Sabbath. And I believe our community is really good in providing the practices of, of this because it's needed. You need to learn how to Sabbath in dark moments and dark seasons. We need to slow down, learn how to let go of some of the burning in our lives. It's important. Important for us to to give ourselves to the one who can give us rest and restore us and heal our hearts. It's important to be in proximity to the one who can be present in obscurity and in uncertainty. It's important for us to give ourselves to that. And some of us are really good at that. But something that we also need to learn how to do that, that the story points out is that we need to learn how to value and discern when the sun rises. And it's time to move. That it's time to take steps, that it's time to go for the next, that it's time to not stay there, but to move. And don't misunderstand what I'm trying to communicate. This woman, Mary, the Marys and, and, and Salome, they're not going to this place with a the, with the posture of heart, of wonder and excitement. The scripture tells us that they were, they were bringing the spices to anoint Jesus' body, which means they were expecting that he was dead. It's not that they're expecting like, oh, yes, he's going to rise from the dead. We're going we're gonna to experience this. No, they're going to a place where they expect that Jesus is dead. See, friends, the plan is in motion. There's always an invitation from Jesus to experience freedom and hope and faith. But the question we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to follow this freedom even if it leads us into deserts? Are we willing to, fight, uh, to follow this hope even if it leads us into tombs? Are we willing to follow this faith even if it takes us into dark tombs? See, one of the most influential voices in my own life, I will say, is this, name by the name, this man by the name of T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes has become, maybe as a cup of tea of a preacher or not, I don't know, but this man has become one of the most important voices of our time. He, this man has become a father for black people in many generations. And people like myself as a Latino, his voice has shaped my theology, my anthropology in a lot of ways. See, this man, I believe has such an impact on people for this reason. He tells a story in one of his interviews that I believe reveals the reason why he has so much impact and influence, which many people will attribute this because of his gifting and his ability, which he has a lot of gifting. But I would dare to say that that's not the reason why he has, he has this impactful life. He shares the story that he went to visit the castle of Emlina. See, Elmina Castle, if you're not familiarized, was built by the English at the point where the transatlantic slaves trade was at its peak in West Africa. This castle is one of the most important castles of his nature. 
T.D. Jakes shares a story that when he went into that castle, as you come into the castle, you can smell the body fluids of the slaves still in this place. After, in spite of the wind going through that place, Hundreds and hundreds of years haven't been able to wash away the debauchery and the degradation that the black slaves went through as they were waiting for the next sheep to arrive. He shares a story that convergence of this atrocity was, occurs beneath a church. Meaning the chambers were beneath a church. That in one hand the masters were having church. Downstairs the slaves were in pain and being abused and stacked like sardines. With only one window in that place where all kinds of body fluids were going on. And upstairs, they were singing hymns. See, I believe this is the description of this man. That this man has this type of influence and impact because he's willing to sit in places like this. He's willing to stand in tombs and look into those dark tombs. His own tombs and other people's tombs. And not be afraid and intimidated by that. See, friend, I believe this is the good news. That might be that sometimes it is going to invite us into these places. Are we willing to go to those places? You know, this has been the story of Gavi and myself making a naive prayer. Telling God, God, will you allow us to, to open a space for people that maybe other churches don't want? And I say naive because I didn't know what I was asking for. And all the responsibility that comes with it. I remember sitting with one of the men in our community. Strong man. That went through the Air Force and you would never see an emotion in his face. And I remember sitting with him at the core because he was about to lose the custody of his baby growing crying. And sitting with him through that process. I remember hearing the story and walking through the process of someone getting divorced. People that Gabby and I got to marry. I remember hearing the story of a woman coming to me and telling me how her boyfriend was abusing her physically. And the perpetrator would come into our services because that was the only place for the first time that he connected with religion. And if he felt comfortable talking about dark tombs friends see I believe Mary Magdalene was one of those people that would not feel intimidated by this places because he knew dark herself this woman experienced seven demons seven demons cast out of her for an extended period of time she was not herself she didn't have the faculties to have control over herself she was criticized and possibly labeled by a lot of people. She became one who was put on hold from her, her dignity. She was not unfamiliarized with being able to see in the dark, friends. Funny note, Lucas tells us how when the disciples, Peter and them, went to the tomb, they were able to see only the old gardens dirty laundry on the, on the floor. But when Mary Magdalene went into the tomb, she was able to see angels. She was not unfamiliarized with she in the dark. See, Nadia, Nadia, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. You help me out. 
It is only one who understands that the darkness cannot be overcome, cannot overcome the light, who is willing to look for light in the darkness of the dark human experience. See, she comes and she's told by the angels, don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. In other words, I do not want you to engage with this moment with fear, friend. Because this is what I know about fear. It's a horrible driver in this plan. But it's in this insane moment. It's in this insane place that they experience the resurrection of Jesus. It's in this place where they see the dead does not have the last word. It's in this place that, yes, tombs are real, but they are not the most real thing. That they will never determine the story of Jesus. That, yes, dead could be an enemy, but they cannot define Jesus. It's in this place where they get to see and experience something beyond themselves. I'm going to invite the band to come back with me as I close this conversation. See, for decades, we have developed this narrative in church, and I believe an illusion, that if we find ourselves in the center of God's plan, and God's will, whatever that is, we will be safe. And I love that Erwin McManus challenges this. He says, no, that is not the most safest place. Actually, that's the most dangerous place that you can ever experience. Since when the, res the resurrection of Jesus became about conformity and security and comfort, friends. This is the narrative that we have developed in Western civilization. Since when this power that can flow through us according to scripture became about convenience and assurance. I'm telling you, we can't have this conversation, this normal conversation. This goes beyond ourselves. And you and I get to experience this. That this plan is in motion, family. That you and I get to participate and jump in and be the eye of this plan, the center of this hurricane, of this plan that might take us into tombs, right, sometimes. But we understand that if we go to those dark places, there is the resurrection power on the other side. I close with one of my favorite portions of Chronicles of Narnia. I'm obsessed with it. My son is a representation of that, obviously. I'm obsessed with Aslan as a representation of Jesus. And it says this. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without making his knees tremble. Either he's braver than anyone in the world or he's just a fool. So he's dangerous, Lucy said. Dangerous? Didn't you hear what the beaver lady said? Who says something about danger? Of course, he's dangerous. But he's good. 
He's a king. I assure you. This is, friends, the resurrection of Jesus. The invitation to go to those tombs. And what is expected of us? What can we experience in the other side if we're willing to go and say yes to this invitation? So as we close this conversation, friends, we have a moment of communion. We have different locations where you can come and pick up the elements. As we worship, take a moment to reflect on this conversation and anything, any type of conversation you want to have with your creator, have it right now.